0: So if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know that we have been talking about Acts 29, which is our network of churches. And we have been talking about drilling deeper into our community and to our lives, our neighbors, our families, our friends. And that was last week. We would encourage you to go back on the website and listen to the message if you missed last week. It's an important message for the city of Pittsburgh. And we kind of showed what we would like to do in 2018, some of the things that we'd like to do to increase discipleship and to increase opportunities for all of you to grow in discipleship and making disciples who make disciples. So tonight, we're actually going to talk about reaching wide and reaching outside of the United States. We have some interesting opportunities before us that we can engage in if God would be pleased to use us. And so we're going to talk about reaching wide tonight. You've seen this. Some of you have seen this before, but I think it's a helpful reminder. This comes from the Porterbrook Network's training, and several of us have gone through their training. And here's the difference. We as Eternal City Church want to be in the second category. So for those of you who uh, have been in churches like this, you know, church with a mission is what you do. Mission is a task. It's optional. It's an elective. Like, yeah, that's the mission people, I'm the sitting in the chair people. (laughs) It's extraordinary, it's it's for the elitist. It's for those who are super qualified, super gifted, super passionate. It's project focus, it's an event. We may fly over to, you know, wherever some island in the Caribbean and do a, a, a vacation Bible school, throw an event, and then we come back and, and hey, we, we were on mission. Well, we want to be in the second category. We want to be church as mission. What does that look like? It's who we are. The church is the mission of God. The church doesn't have a mission. It is the mission. It's who we are. It's our identity. As Christians, we are the mission of God. It's essential. It's core. It's part of our DNA, especially our church. We are disciple making disciples, and we don't want to just make disciples here in this city. We want to make disciples all over the world. It's ordinary. In other words, it's for everyone, right? Ephesians 4 11 and 12. God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers for what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. What's the great commission? To make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This is an everybody mission. Like, no one gets to sit around. (laughs) Everyone's on mission, and in our church, we want every one of you to be on mission. Now, the mission's overwhelming, no doubt. It's, it's massive and huge, and none of us can fully embrace it. But listen, every one of us can do something. Like, every one of us can play a part, and as a team, we as a larger church can play a bigger part. And then listen, there's other churches all over the city and all over the globe called the Capital B Body of Christ, and We are all accomplishing God's mission. But for us, we believe God has called us to do four things. We want to make disciples who make disciples. We want to unify peoples. We want to train and challenge men to lead sacrificially. And we desire to plant more churches that are able to plant churches. And church as a mission, it's people-focused. So we're not event-focused. We're not program-focused. We're we're people-focused. So our desire as a church is to focus on you and equip you for the work of ministry. Some of you have recently signed up for the membership. I, I have your emails. This week, you will get an assessment. So look for an email from Eternal City Church at gmail.com, and you click on the link, and it will take you to our assessment for you to answer tons of questions. Please do it. It's very thorough. And you will get a, like a four- to five-page report on yourself. How you're gifted, how you're wired, how you're passionate, and where you will best fit in God's kingdom to make disciples who make disciples. And we, if you would so choose to enter into the membership process, when we meet with you and interview you, we will go over your SHAPE assessment. So those of you who signed the the email last week, I saw several emails on that list. I have it at my house. I will email you the link. Click it. Please take the SHAPE assessment. So we want to be church as mission, not church with a mission. Do you see the difference? Acts 1.8, we looked at this. I'm sorry, Acts 1.6-8. We looked at this last week, but I want to emphasize another piece. So when they had come together, this would be the disciples. The disciples are um, Jesus 12 minus Judas, who betrayed him, plus Matthias, not Paul yet, but there was another group, that equaled the 120 in the upper room on Pentecost. You remember that Acts chapter 2? The 120 were gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes. Well, this is Jesus about to ascend up into heaven. And these are his final words. This is part of the commission that he gave them. So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it time for the kingdom to be realized? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be, important, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, hometown, they're all from Jerusalem, Judea, the outside region of Jerusalem, Samaria, the now outsiders, the the unlike us Jewish people, and then the ends of the earth. This is the mission of God. His desire was to start in Jerusalem and end in a new Jerusalem, the capital city of the new earth, in a new heavens, in a new universe. And we get to play a part in our Jerusalem, which would be Pittsburgh, Your Jerusalem would be your street, your block, your co-workers, your family members. That's your Jerusalem. Judea would be the larger outlying parts of Pittsburgh. Samaria might be the rest of the United States. And the ends of the earth would be other continents. And the, the mission is so much bigger than you and so much bigger than me. But it's a little smaller for we, isn't it? What about us together? Can we do something small together to push the kingdom of God a little further? Steve Timmis is the CEO of our network, the Acts 29 Church Planning Network. You can Google his name and find tons of books. You can find tons of teachings on YouTube and Vimeo. This is from the book Multiplying Churches. It's an Acts 29 book, and I would highly encourage it if mission is your thing. And if mission is not your thing, I still highly encourage it. It's a fantastic book. Steve, commenting on the verse we just said, read, the verb, you will be, is in the indicative mood. That's the Greek language, the indicative mood. It is the mood of assertion. It portrays something as being actual. So Jesus is not suggesting this as a career option for his apostles. He was not raising the mere possibility of it happening. He was not saying that this might happen if everything worked out. It's not, you might be my witnesses, or you can be my witnesses if you so choose. Jesus was saying that this new identity would be the direct consequence of the Holy Spirit coming upon them in power. The power of the Holy Spirit would be primarily evident in them being his witnesses to the ends of the earth. This highlights an important truth about the Holy Spirit. Ready for this? The Holy Spirit creates missionaries. As soon as He calls someone into the kingdom, as soon as He regenerates someone with the life of Jesus, He has created a missionary. That's you and me. Friends, we cannot think of missionaries only as those heroes of the faith who go across the sea and never come back. Friends, if you have a mission and you have a mission to make disciples who make disciples, it, it, it's a great co-together mission. You're a missionary. The question is, are you on mission? Like, is your life about the mission of God, making disciples who making disciples, increasing in your love for Him and helping others to increase in their love for Him, which will then cause the keeping of His commands? which is what Jesus told us to do in making disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Friends, do you see yourself, identity-wise, as a missionary empowered by the Holy Spirit for his great mission of making disciples who make disciples? Do you see yourself like that? Or do you look at others and say, well, yeah, he's on mission, she's on mission, but me, I'm We want you to see yourself, the Bible wants you to see yourself as a missionary. And we as a church are on mission because the church is the mission of God. The church is his people called out. Acts 11, 19 to 25, so we're now progressing. What has happened so far? A lot in Acts. What has happened is Pentecost has happened 50 days after Passover. The Holy Spirit came just like Jesus said he would. The power came just like Jesus said he would. And they began to speak and preach the wonders of God. And all the people gathered, all the Jews gathered from all over the world, heard the gospel being preached in their own languages. In their own languages. Though, those speaking didn't know any of those languages. This would be the gift of tongues. It's the ability to speak a language that you don't know. And it happened. And there, the, the, the assessment of the onlookers in the crowd was, they, they must be drunk. And Peter stands up and says, no, it's only nine in the morning. Like, who gets hammered for breakfast? <laughs> that's what Peter said. Vodka in your Cheerios. No, that's not us, guys. This is what has been prophesied by Joel. Joel. And he goes into the prophecy fulfilled. From there, the church is birthed. 3,000 are added to the church that day in Acts chapter 2. And how do we know there's 3,000? Well, because they must have counted. It's not bad to count converts. It's not bad to know who is a part of your church. It's not a bad thing. They knew in Jerusalem. Well, fast forward now to Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are going into the temple and there's a blind beggar begging for Money. And he looks at Peter and John and says, Please, please. And they said, Silver and gold I have not, but what I do have, I give you sight. And he sees and he begins to leap. And a crowd gathers, and the gospel is preached, and more are added to the church. More are added to the church. I I could be confused. He may have been crippled. Anyone know that story in Acts 4? He was either crippled or he was blind, able to walk, or he received his sight. I'm going off memory here. and I have a lot of scripture packed into my head. Someone want to confirm me real quick as I move on? Feel free to call out. He was crippled. Thank you. So he's crippled. Silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give you. Get up and walk. Okay. I'm thinking of John chapter 9, the blind man. Who ever heard of a man blind from birth being able to see? Sometimes the wires get crossed in my head, I apologize. What happens? The church grows more. 5,000 are now the Jerusalem church. Well, the, the church gets so big that the apostles can't handle all the people. And now the widows are complaining because the church was selling all of their possessions, not all of them like in in a communistic state or a socialistic state, but rather if I had an extra field that I didn't need or I had an extra vehicle I didn't need or if I had an extra townhouse I didn't need, I would sell it, give it to the apostles, they would spread it to those in need. And the widows would come, this is true religion, look after widows and orphans in their distress, James tells us. And there's such a, a need that the apostles are just overwhelmed. And so they appoint seven deacons, proto-deacons, and men full of the Holy Spirit, confirmed by all the people. And one of them, his named Stephen. Stephen is performing mighty works. No one can get him in debate. He just smashes everybody lovingly with the gospel from the Old Testament. And he is so profound at what he says, it, liter- it literally says... That no one could refute him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was on him. And so what did they do? Well, they drug him out of town and they stoned him for it and killed him. We can't beat him. We're not going to join him. Let's kill him. And a great persecution breaks out against the church and they're scattered. This is how Jesus spread his church, believe it or not, through persecution. They were content to stay in Jerusalem. He's like, no, nah, you're going to Judea. And the church spreads at the great persecution after Stephen is killed in Acts 7 and 8. Well, in Acts 10, Peter is still hanging out in Joppa, and he gets this vision from the Lord of a sheet coming down and wild animals coming out. Do you remember that? And a voice comes and says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's like, I've never eaten anything unclean. Who are you to call unclean what I have declared clean? And all of a sudden, as Peter is getting this vision of the sheet coming up and down and the animals coming out, it's repeating, Gentiles show up at his front door. A man, Cornelius, an Italian, a Roman soldier, has had a vision of a man named Peter coming and speaking to him. You're Peter, come and speak. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter, go with them. I sent them. It's my paraphrase. He goes, he preaches the gospel to Cornelius' house, and as he is speaking, they all become Christians. The Holy Spirit comes, and the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 happens in Acts chapter 10. They begin to speak in tongues. He goes back, he reports to the Jerusalem church, and they're like, how could you let this happen? How could you let the Gentiles become Christians? He's like, I didn't do it. It just happened as I was speaking. And then we break into Acts chapter 11, 19 to 12. 25. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. That would be Greek-speaking non-Jews. So here's what that looks like. Here's Jerusalem here. Here's Samaria, there's Phoenicia, there's Antioch up here. Northern Africa, you have Cyrene, and so here's the island of Cyprus. So men from Cyrene, North Africa, and Cyprus and Phoenicia make their way up to Antioch there between Cilicia and Syria. And they begin to preach the word to non Jews, Greek speaking non Jews. Also, Preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. That's really important. The hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. A great number who believed turned, that means repent, and they turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, its headquarters. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now Barnabas is... John Mark's cousin, you remember him. Um, his name literally means the encourager or encouragement. This man is a, is a smiley, happy, encouraging guy. He's the guy you want on a road trip with you. Barnabas, Barney. They send him to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, what's the grace of God? Many believers. Many have turned at the preaching to Jesus He was glad, he was happy, he was excited, and he exhorted them all. Exhort means to press on with commands. He exhorted them all to what? To remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Purpose yourself to cling to God and don't move away from him. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So we don't even know how many. A great many. A great many. That's a lot. (laughs) So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, we left out what happened in Acts chapter 9, didn't we? We went right to Cornelius in Acts 10. Well, something really important happened in Acts chapter 9. Standing at the feet of those who were stoning Stephen, killing him, there was a man who was authorizing that killing, and he was holding the cloaks so they would be more free to throw rocks with more accuracy. So he held the coats and authorized the killing of Stephen. His name was Saul of Tarsus. And he was equivalent to like an ISIS terrorist, hunting Christians, killing them, having them stoned, bringing them to prison. And as he's on his way with authority from the the Sanhedrin, the legal authority of the Jews, to get Christians, grab them, arrest them, bring them back, have them on trial, Jesus shows up in Acts chapter 9 knocks him off his horse in blazing glory, a light shines so bright that it blinds him, and he says, Lord, who are you? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Jesus so identifies with his people that when Jesus' people are persecuted, Jesus himself is persecuted. So Saul goes to a place, and he's fasting for three days. He eats nothing, he drinks nothing, he's praying. Oh my gosh, what just happened to me? What did I do? What have I been doing? And a man named Ananias gets a vision. A vision. It's the Lord, and he says, a man named Saul has had a vision of someone named Ananias coming and praying for him. You mean the Saul who's hunting Christians? Yeah, that Saul. Go. So he goes, and you remember the story. He prays for him, and something like scales fall from Saul's eyes, and he sees. But not only does he see, he spiritually sees. He is born again. He is regenerate. He is a believer in Jesus for the forgiveness of his sins. And immediately he goes out and begins to argue that Jesus is the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. Immediately. And he's hanging out now in Damascus. And Barnabas goes and gets him. And you see in 26. So Barnabas went to Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, to look for Saul, who is now Paul. And when he had found him and brought him to Antioch, for a whole year they met with the church. Notice, the church. And taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So, this Gentile church full of non Jews, spontaneously planted by God Himself through these brothers who scattered at the uh, persecution of Stephen, they plant a church. How do we know they planted a church? Because it says in 26, for a whole year they met with the church. The church that was birthed right here, a church was planted. See, this is always God's mission. God's mission has always been preach the gospel, gather a people, and a church is started. And now these called out ones from the world are now a kingdom or an embassy of the kingdom of light. Here's Steve again. There was much that happened in the time span covered by the book of Acts that he, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he wrote Luke, the gospel, the second part, Acts. Uh, just side note, when, when the book of Acts begins, Luke says, in my former book, I wrote of all that Jesus began to do. What does that imply about Acts? Jesus is still at work. But now, through his church. There was much that happened in the time span covered by the book of Acts that he, Luke, chose not to mention. Like, we get highlights, just little clips. We get YouTube clips in the book of Acts. But he included the account of the formation of the church in Antioch because he wants to demonstrate this is what the Holy Spirit does. He plants churches. The Trinity, this is a huge sentence, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all church planters. Can you see that? Just the little traveling we've done in Acts so far? And planting churches is not simply the byproduct of mission. Churches are at the heart of God's missionary method. Through the preaching of Christ, God gathers people together and forms a community. A new community of God's people. Here, as it were, God creates a new Eden in the heart of Gentile Antioch. Paradise. A church is planted in Antioch without the aid of the apostles, nor any initial input from the church in Jerusalem. Then, this spontaneously planted church in Antioch becomes a church-planting church by sending out two of its best, Acts chapter 13, 2. Here's the quote. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, who said it? The Holy Spirit. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. What is that work? Church planning. Paul and Barnabas head off to plant churches. And beside an Antioch, that's a different Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. A church is planted because that is what the Holy Spirit does. And then the Holy Spirit directs the church that he planted to be the means by which he will continue The same work of planting churches. Acts 28, we're going to fast forward the whole way through the book of Acts, and we're going to land on the last chapter. Acts 28. You know the story. Paul has traveled throughout the whole Roman Empire planting churches, establishing elders, creating members. And he leaves and plants another church, and he leaves and plants another church, or he finds a church that has already been planted, and he strengthens them, and he establishes leaders. You remember the beginning of Titus. I left you in Crete, an island, to establish elders and strengthen the church. And he gives him instruction. It's the book of Titus. Titus is a pastor, and he says, This is your charge. And Paul, you remember, he gets arrested in Jerusalem in the beginning chapters of Acts 20. And he is about to get torn apart by a mob. And the Roman soldiers grab him and they arrest him. And to keep him safe, Paul appeals to Caesar. And so the rest of Acts from 23 up to 28 is Paul making his way to Rome in a crazy way. He gets shipwrecked. They wash up on an island. He gets bit by a venomous snake as he's gathering firewood. All the natives are like, this man is cursed by God. And he lives. And then they're like, oh, he must be a god. And and the gospel continues to spread. They do make it to Rome, and here we have what happened as Paul makes it to Rome, which is exactly what Jesus said he would do. You must stand before Caesar. He, Paul, lived there in Rome two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without... Hindrance. This was a kind of house arrest, but he was house arrest with freedom to be able to receive people. And as they would come and go, he was able to teach about the Lord Jesus, and with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, we don't know this for sure, but we think from church history that he was released, and then he was rearrested again maybe two years later, and that's where we get the letter of 2 Timothy, his second Roman imprisonment. At the end of Romans, Paul says to the Roman church, that he has ambitions to make it to Spain, to preach Jesus where Jesus has never been preached before. He says, I make it my ambition to preach where there is no gospel presence, to plant a church where there isn't any church. Well, our network is called Acts chapter 29. What are we saying by Acts 29? We're saying that we are the next chapter of the book of Acts. It ends here with a dot, 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 to be continued. Friends, here we are. It's 2017. It's Acts chapter 29. What if your story was being written into this biblical book? That's challenging. And she sat and watched YouTube for 20 hours a week, laughing and enjoying all her favorite sitcom series on NBC. Now, listen, I'm not hating on TV or YouTube. I mean, just a little. But, friends, we spend so much time on our entertainment and on our own personal hobbies and on our own, like, we think, I don't got time for all this discipleship stuff, yet you got time for everything else. And I love you, and I'm kind of talking to myself here, too, to kick myself in the butt. But, friends, what if you were written into this book? Would you be on mission Now, God isn't calling all of us to go all over the world. I I grew up in a missionary church. It was the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. I was there from week one of my birth until I rebelled when I was like 12, 13, and then God brought me back when I was 19. And I remember the missionaries would come from the jungle, and they would speak, and they would say, is God calling you? And I'd be like, no, please, God. No, I don't want to go to the jungle. No, God, please, I don't want to go to the desert. I don't want to go to, you know, the Sahara. Please, not me. And what I never realized, like, you know, so, so bow your heads now, and we are expecting the Lord to speak and call some of you to another country to be a missionary. And I'd be like, oh, God, no, please, no, not me, no. And what I didn't realize, friends, was that if God is calling you to do something big like that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to want to. Like the first step of a call is that you actually want to do it. Now, if I give you a simple command to be obedient that's laid out in, in the word of God as his real and clear will, and you're like, I don't want to. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, if you're being called to Iraq to plant churches, you're going to actually want to go there eventually. You might have to wrestle with it for a couple years, but eventually you will want to go there. And any sane missionary agency that's going to send you, especially our network, you're going to have to go through a massive amount of assessment, confirmation, and it's going to be a process by which God will shape and change and morph your call. Okay? But listen, you in your workplace, you in your street, you with your family, you with your influence of your friends, you are a missionary, friends. Just because you're not over in the Middle East doesn't mean you're not a missionary. Just because you're not headed over to India doesn't mean you're not a missionary because you're not going to China. You're, not, you're a missionary here and your mission field is wherever you are. So when you say to yourself, where's my mission field, God? He's going wherever you are. That's kind of scary. You know why that's scary? Because I have to see my neighbor after I tell her the gospel. Which that has happened. Right? Like I, I've, it took years for me to finally get there. And I remember, it, it was like, now's the time. I've been praying for years. Thank you, God. And you know what she said? I'm not religious. And I said, believe it or not, I'm not either. And she looked at me like, huh? Like I was speaking Spanish. Like what? I said, I'm not. And, and I was taking the broad definition of religion. I said, I, religion, in a broad sense, is trying to earn God's favor by your goodness and to there be approved by him. And I said, actually, the truth of the gospel is none of us can earn God's favor. We're all condemned because of our works, even our good ones, because they come from bad motives. But Jesus lived perfectly, and I I was just able to flow into the gospel, and she just received, received, received. I gave her a book, Songs of Jesus by Tim Keller. It's super gospel-saturated. And I said, okay, God, she's heard the gospel. I'm going to keep loving her, and I'm going to pray for her every time I think about her. She's yours now. Friends, that's being on mission. That's easy. She didn't slap me. She didn't punch me. She didn't threaten me. She doesn't come over and vandalize my house when I'm not home. She doesn't throw rocks through my window for telling her about Jesus. I told her about Jesus, and she thanked me for the book. She said, I'll read it. And I anticipate more conversations because I'm praying. And you know what? Here's the funny thing. God set that up before it happened. Like, if we have a really biblical view of how this works, God's at work, and all of a sudden, you show up. You're like, huh, God's been here the whole time, working. And we're going to hear about that in just a moment. We have opportunity in front of us to reach wider than our local city of Pittsburgh. Um, Some of you know Kristen. Kristen is back with the children right now. Um, she is in a relationship with a man from Uganda. His name's Phillips. I've spoken to him many times. Great brother. Uh, many of you have had conversations with him. Okay? He is our inn in Uganda. He's from a little village city called Gulu. Kampala is the capital city of Uganda. And Uganda is East Middle East Africa. The Kenya butts up against Uganda. Now, our goal is to work with, so here's where we come in. Our goal is to work with Acts 29's emerging regions. Okay? There is no East Africa region in Acts 29, but they're ambitious to start one. The way that works is we want to find like-minded pastors who agree with our distinctives of Acts 29. That will be not next week's sermon because we're doing Thanksgiving, but the, the sermon after that will do why we are Acts 29. And that's like-minded mission-wise. That believes that God is about planting churches, that plant churches. And so we have an opportunity in January to go there. In fact, our Deacon Vince has already got plane tickets reserved. And they already have a house rented. And they already have places to visit churches. And our goal is to interview existing pastors who have churches to see do you want to align with a network that is all about mission and we will come behind you with the resources of America and the equipping power of America, train, challenge, and then link you in to Acts 29? We have, so, so here, here's how God is at work. Remember I just said you show up and often like God's already doing it. We had this idea to go there and to just see what we could find. It's kind of like pioneering work. Well, I talked to Kristen today, and she had just talked to Phillips, and he had just talked to one of the pastors we wanted to visit. His name's Pastor Jimmy, okay? And Phillips went to Pastor Jimmy and told him our plan. Vince is coming. He wants to meet with local churches, and he wants to present Acts 29 to the local. And Jimmy stops him. He says, wait a minute. Acts 29? And he's like, yeah, Acts 29. He's like, this Acts 29? And he's like, yeah, that Acts 29. He's like, I've been trying to get a hold of these people for five years. He's like, well, they're coming. In January. And see, that's the deal. When we are following God, He's already ahead of us. We have an opportunity as a church to begin work in another region of the world. And you can, we, you know, we can throw this guy up. Right on the screen, and we can talk to him live through the laptop. And maybe we'll do that someday, you know, just so you guys can get an idea. But Vince will be there taking pictures and he'll bring back a bunch of stories. But here, here's the deal when you give to this church, you might not have known this, we take 10 cents of every dollar. One cent goes to Acts 29. It's the 650 churches around the world. And 1% goes to the main headquarters and mission of Acts 29. It funds conferences, it funds administration, it funds the website, it funds all kind of mission work. Another 1% of that 10% goes to our region, which is the North Atlantic, from Virginia all the way up to Maine. And then from that central headquarters, some of that money gets kicked back to the Pittsburgh region, which our Pittsburgh region leader is up in Gibsonia, Advanced Community Church with Scott Prentice. I'll talk about him in just a moment. And we then get supported. So Acts 29 is actually supporting myself and Eddie and Vince through uh, leadership training and equipping. It's expensive. It costs money to do the course. you got all these personality tests. Some of them cost $60, $75. They're like, we'll pay for all of it. We'll just pay for your equipment. So the money you give goes, but then it comes back, and then it gets fed back to you. It's amazing. Eight cents of every dollar, we get to do what we want with as far as church planning goes. So my hope is that some of you will get the call, and we can train and equip you to maybe leave with some people, and start a new work. We wanna do that. But that's really expensive and really time consuming. But you know what? Our dollar goes so far in Uganda, we could literally buy a plot of land and build a massive church building for them for like $10,000. A multi-room house with plumbing, heating, you know, water, um, Roof, 250 dollars a month with utilities included. What are you paying a month? Like, it is so inexpensive to do work here. We, as small as we are, can actually get some stuff done here. It's exciting. And listen, every dollar you give, eight cents is going to go to this. So what are we going to do? Well, we already bought a laptop, and we're going to load it up with books, and we're going to do, like, internet training, face-to-face training, and for some of you who that sounds good, we would like you to be involved in that. Um, we are going to fly Vince there. We're going to pay for the plane ticket for him to do that. And we're going to continue to use the eight cents of our money to help uh, Pastor Jimmy and other pastors around the area to get more biblical, if they're not biblical enough, elders, deacons, members, um, Biblical handle on what mission looks like. And then to learn about church planting. That's, that's our goal. Okay? So just so you know what we're doing and what we can do right now. Is that exciting? It's exciting to me. I'm excited. Okay? We want, brother, our brother Phillips is going to intern at this church with Jimmy. So he's going to be like a, a church planner residence. He's going to intern with him. And he'll be equipped through Jimmy as we equip Jimmy and Phillips and whoever else we might find. Who knows? we might find a bunch of people. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So we're going to watch a quick video right now, and this is what we're looking for in a church planner, okay? These are what qualities a church planner looks like. So if you're thinking, maybe, I don't know, see if these are in you, and this is what we will be working towards with the pastors we find in Uganda. Okay, we can start the video. So, we are looking for those 11 qualities, and the goal is, if those 11 aren't there, we want to help get men there, so that they might be able church planters. I want to read you a quote from an article that Tim Keller wrote called, Why Plant Churches? Why Plant Churches? The only way to be truly sure you are increasing the number of Christians in a town is to increase the number of churches. Why? Much traditional evangelism aims to get a decision for Christ. Experience, however, shows us that many of these, quote-unquote, decisions disappear and never result in changed lives. Why? Many decisions are not really conversions, but often only the beginning of a journey of seeking God. Other decisions are very definitely the moment of a new birth, but this differs from person to person. Only a person who is being evangelized in the context of an ongoing worshiping and shepherding community can be sure of finally coming home into a vital saving faith. This is why leading missiologists like C. Peter Wagner can say, planting churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. New churches best reach the unchurched, period. Dozens of denominational studies have confirmed that the average new church gains most of its new members, 60 to 80 percent, from the ranks of people who are not attending any worshiping body, while churches over 10 to 15 years of age gain only 80 to 90 percent of members by transfer from other congregations. This means that the average new congregation will bring six to eight times more new people into the life of the body of Christ than an older congregation of the same size. New congregations in general are forced to focus on the needs of its non-members simply in order to get off the ground. Many of its leaders have come very recently from the ranks of the unchurched that the congregation is far more sensitive to the concerns of the non-believer. Also, in the first two years of our Christian walk, we have far more close face-to-face relationships with non-Christians than we do later. Thus, a congregation filled with people fresh from the ranks of the unchurched will have the power to invite and attract many more non-believers into events and the life of the church than will the members of the typical established body. It's a good argument. And so new churches have the potential to grab more unbelievers. And when you're a brand new believer, I know it was true for me, I didn't have any Christian friends as a brand new Christian. But at the same time, no one was really saying to me, hey, bring him in, let's talk to him. And that's what we want. We we want our friends, you, to bring your friends that we might tell them about Jesus for their eternal destinies to be changed, friends, that they might be saved from their sins, that they might be forgiven and walk whole with God, guiltless. They're shame covered by Jesus. So one more thing before we end up. We have another opportunity. Um, our Pittsburgh leader, Acts 29 Church, is in Gibsonia, PA. It's one exit from Harmerville, two exits from Monroeville, um, going uh, west on the turnpike. So they, uh, this church in Acts 29, they're a partnering church. I've been to the Dominican Republic with them. Uh, we partner with them in training called Porterbrook. Uh, I teach for them sometimes. And Scott has met with me many times personally to help me uh, get this church up and running. So they are doing a global impact gala dinner on December 1st. Now, some of you, when you hear gala, you're like, eh, I'm out. <laughs> That's for Bruce Wayne, not me. Okay? But some of you who can't afford a gala, and by the way, it, it's $40 an individual, and it's $70 for a married couple, and if you got a table of six, it's two twenty-five. dollars Now, some of you right now are like, I'm out. I don't have that kind of money. But you have the opportunity to serve there, and I'm going to tell you why it's important in a minute, but you have the opportunity to serve there And if some of you are killer bakers, they're gonna be selling high quality cookies in order to raise money for mission. So what are they doing with the money that they raise by having this gala dinner? Well, they write, we are committed to building meaningful relationships that intentionally impact people on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. Through annual trips to the Dominican Republic, they go like a bunch of times a year as well as growing relationships with pastors in Romania and Kenya. All of this work requires funding. The gala is a fun way to celebrate the work that has been done, heighten global awareness of genuine need, and raise the necessary funds for impact in 2018. 100% of the funds we raise will directly go to, one, providing housing for an impoverished family in the Dominican, whom I've met, 10 kids, pastor and his wife living in, a room smaller than just the chair section. Provide medical care for Haitian children living in the Dominican. I was a part of that. I saw a little girl with her leg kind of broken and poking, like out, the bones separated, and you could look at it. They paid for her surgery, and we saw it to the completion. It was fantastic. And to pay for a pastoral residency and leadership program in Kenya. They want to start new, a new church in Romania, and that church will be serving gypsies and Romanians. And we, we have the opportunity to get involved. So any of you from this church are welcome to join them on any of those trips to Romania or to the Dominican Republic. You can raise money. We can talk to you about how you can raise money. And you can see what's going on there. But just recently, I talked to Scott a couple days ago. And this is, this is what's encouraging to me. Uh, they've been investing in leaders in the Dominican for so long, they've grabbed several people. And they've done what's called pre-assessment with Acts 29 to say, all right, are you in? It's kind of what Vince is going to go do with the brothers in Uganda. And Acts 29 South America is now, because of Scott and Advance's work, they're going to come to the Dominican, set up a two-day conference, and do real legit assessments with these men and try to establish new churches in the Dominican because of Scott and Advance's work. Acts 29 is paying for all of it, okay? And, and that's kind of what we are trying to do over in Uganda. But we can also partner with them in the work they're already doing. This is an easy way for you to do it. You can come up and serve. You can come up and help, you know, dish the food. They have a... Uh, They have a cook there. Well, here, what to expect. In addition to a multi-course, professionally prepared meal and a professional photograph, you'll have the opportunity to connect with friends, meet new friends, and shop. Beautiful handmade cards and quality Christmas cookies will be available. 100% of the proteins will, will be donated to the causes that we just read. So you can serve and help, or you can make cookies and help, or if you have some money and you like galas and you like getting all up in a suit, um, you can do that. So, several of us are going, and you won't be alone if you go. If you want to go, come talk to me. I, myself and Megan are two of the people going. Vince is going. Um, and if, if you want to serve or go, you will be helping church planting in Romania, in the Dominican Republic, and in Kenya. So, we have opportunities right in front of us. These are things that are tangible, you could step right into them immediately. And if you want to give directly to the mission in Uganda, you're welcome to do that as well. So that's how we right now at this point, you know, November of 2017, are able to reach wide, wider than our sphere of influence. So every dollar you give and our church as a whole can be impacting countries and ocean away. It's fantastic. So more to come, and we'll update you as we get updates. Uh, We are trying to pioneer new work, and if you would like to learn more about the gala, uh, or like to serve, or like to make cookies, they would appreciate it, and we would appreciate it, and you would be doing something very simple, but expanding the kingdom of heaven on earth. So we're going to celebrate communion right now. Jesus has come. He lived the life that we couldn't live, friends. And he died the death that we couldn't die on the cross. He paid for the sins of all those who would ever trust in him. And he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He has ascended into heaven and he has sent his Holy Spirit for you and I to be empowered for mission. Not only did he say, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth, but he also said, I am in you by the Holy Spirit. We have a new power for mission. God's not asking you to do what He is not empowering you to do. We want to remember every week that Jesus' body was broken for our sins. And for you who are not Christians yet, and you're in this room, we want you to become a Christian. We want you to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. We want you to turn from your life of rebellion against Him and turn to Him. Run towards Him. Run towards Jesus on the cross. He's paid for your sins if you will but turn to Him. And we want you to celebrate the blood of Jesus spilled. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Friends, this is our message. This is what the church proclaims. It's good news. But the good news works out in good deeds. So we show the gospel by what we do. But the news is the gospel. We're going to celebrate that gospel now we are forgiven, we are cleansed, we are washed, we are guiltless, we are in Christ.